Welcome to Frankly Speaking. This is a new podcast on responsible business by Frank Bold, the European public interest law firm. I'm Richard Howitt, and after several years of debating responsible business issues inside the European Parliament, I host our discussions on the latest political, legal and business developments in the field of corporate sustainability, business and human rights. We speak frankly and personally about what moves policymakers, business and activists to make responsible business the norm. Today, Frankly Speaking welcomes Philippe Zouetti, founder and chief executive officer of Morova, the 25 billion euro sustainability focused asset manager based in Paris. Morova has grown fourfold in just the last five years and has just established a renewable energy infrastructure fund, which is one of, if not the biggest fund of its type in Europe. Philippe personally has been very involved in all of the European developments around sustainable finance. He was a member of the high level expert group, which led to the establishment of the EU's sustainable finance action plan. And today he is chair of the responsible investment committee of IFARMA, the umbrella body representing all asset managers across Europe. Philippe, welcome to Frankly Speaking. Thank you. So um, you, I want to start with some very outspoken comments that you made about the global standard setting on, on sustainability reporting last year by business. And I'll quote you, you said the International Sustainability Standards Board is a vehicle of market proponents to prolong business as usual with the objective of blocking the developments at the EU level and goes against all of the responsible finance approaches of the last 10 years. Now, those are very, very strong words. <laughs> why do you, why do you say them? That that what that was a bold one. Uh, y- yes, uh, I, I think we uh, we are in, uh, in 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 the middle of a big big battle uh, on this. Uh, we've on one hand uh, all the sustainability focus, uh, uh, business, asset management, and uh, and finance world, which uh, has tried to. Uh, uh, Pave the way to uh, uh, the, the fact that it was really very important to understand the impact of the business on nature, on climate, on everything. And on the other, on the other hand, you have all uh, the existing business, which is struggling, certainly, but it, which is also uh, trying to uh, to continue the business as usual. And they have some tools to to do this. And uh, and I think that uh, traditional accounting is uh, still uh, a tool which is. Uh, which was made for the old world uh, and which was uh, uh, designed uh, for describing uh, uh, production and and, and consumption that was the old way to do this. And uh, and that, uh, I think that the ISSB is just following this path. Uh, It's just trying to to add uh, sustainability on a framework which doesn't change uh, really uh, concretely. So that, that was my point. And, you know, I'm not here to to uh, defend or speak on behalf of the ISSB, but I think if they were here, one, they'd say you're a market proponent, aren't you? You're an investor, you're a rather successful investor, sustainability-focused one, but you're definitely um, a big market player, uh, Marova. Uh, and secondly, I think they would say that the, the very establishment of the sustain, International Sustainability Standards Board 
is a, a marked, a significant change from the old IFRS, the old financial reporting standards only. Uh, if they were to say that, how would you respond? So we are participant, a market participant for for uh, for sure, but we are a very small one and very special animal. Uh, and uh, uh, and and the fact is that, and I will always say that the fact is that all we has all we have done in uh, sustainable finance the last 10 years uh, was only, uh, uh, I would say, just uh, working at the margin of the systems. Uh, we had we a couple of patches to the system. We, uh, we created a di different new markets like uh, green bonds, sustainable uh, investment funds, and so on and so forth. But, but the heart of the functioning uh, of the uh, financial system, financial markets, uh, has not changed really, has not changed a lot. And, uh, and uh, um, uh, I think it's striking to see that all the regulation that we had these last five to 10 years uh, were specific to sustainable development and sustainable finance. If you look at, uh, at the European um, regulation, for example, so we have the uh, CSRD and we have SFDR. So all these directives, all these new regulation, uh, regulations are focused on the sustainable part of the, uh, of the economy and of the finance. So it does not, it does not really change the functioning of the, of the rest of the, of, of the financial system. And so I think uh, very interesting that now we are coming into a new era where we uh, probably the regulation uh, is going to uh, introduce sustainability in in the core regulation like the banking regulation solvency regulation for insurance company and accounting and here we are really touching the the heart of the system and this is i think uh, very interesting and what is probably important for the next the next move uh, the next phase of the sustainable finance development uh, and uh, uh, and so uh, to come back to ISSB, uh, I think that uh, we have to push in order that really they understand that, uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the, it's not about just uh, integrated, uh, integrating sustainability uh, uh, in the way, uh, uh, I would say, uh, every, uh, every financial player will do anyway because uh, it's uh, hurting uh, their uh, returns and, uh, and and their risk assessments. Is it's about really integrating sustainability as we have a responsibility, uh, as the financial system has a responsibility on what's going on in uh, in, in our environment and uh, and society. And um, I read something else you'd said where you said that the sustainable. For sustainable finance has been proven and you've been doing it for 10 years you've just had your 10 year anniversary you've been very successful as we've said um but also you are very aware we're all aware that there's been a lot of skepticism in the last months over esg environmental social governance investment that perhaps some of the funds that are called esg aren't really uh, that have been in response to those European regulations you talked about, SFDR, the, the disclosure regulation for investors, um, uh, uh, there have been a lot of investors in the last months who've been declassifying their funds because they feel that they're not meeting the requirements to be Article 8 or 9 green or dark green investment products. And so um, 
what's your response to this sort of pushback, I suppose, uh, in the sustainability investment world? And are you still as optimistic as when you said sustainable finance is proven? I think we uh, we have won the first part of the of the battle, uh, yeah. which which was to uh, just to prove that yeah it was possible to uh, to do sustainable finance at a at a large scale uh, with uh, uh, I mean keeping very very strong convictions and then doing it uh, uh, really uh, seriously. Uh, and we also have won the battle of, uh, um, I mean, this is something we have to 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 uh, to, to work with. I mean, this is something which is, exists. I mean, in the in the debate, and uh, every, everybody is speaking about this. So uh, it was not the case five years, five ten five ten years ago. Uh, so I think this this part of the battle is won. Uh, this is a, the cultural part of the battle, I would say. Uh, but uh, but of course now we have a. Uh, everybody uh, being on board, and uh, and so uh, with this mainstreaming, uh, global mainstreaming of ESG, uh, of course there is a, a huge spectrum of uh, of uh, behaviors, a huge spectrum of uh, expertise, a huge spectrum of pro- of investment processes, and uh, and and a part of these uh, is clearly uh, big greenwashing. Uh, and, and 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 we know this. I mean, and uh, I don't know uh, if it's uh, the, the the majority of, uh, but I mean, a significant significant part of the uh, ESG market today is greenwashing. Uh, that's a reality, and so I I'm welcoming uh, the, the 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 criticism. I'm welcoming uh, the uh, uh, surveys which has been made by uh, uh, by NGOs and by uh, media's because we need. Them. Then, uh, but the, the problem is that uh, I, my feeling, uh, my, my my view is that we we should not uh, throw the, the, the baby with the um, with the bathwater, and that we uh, we I, I think that uh, the the important thing is that now that we have won the cultural battle, we uh, um, we uh, uh, design the tools which would help us to separate. Uh, the, the good part and the bad part of the market, and uh, and to identify more clearly what uh, who are and what are uh, the really impactful uh, behaviors and investment funds, and and the problem I see is not the greenwashing. The problem I see is much more that we today we do not have these tools, uh, we, which which could help us to really separate uh, the, the the two parts of the market. Uh, and, uh, and regulation could be one of these tools. Uh, labels could be another one. But today, uh, uh, as well, labels as uh, uh, regulation is not uh, robust enough uh, to, uh, to help us to do, to do this. Uh, labels are, uh, most of them, and, uh, and especially uh, the, the French one is very weak, and the regulation is, is not stable. Today and it's moving a lot. Uh, so we have seen all, all these uh, declassification from nine to eight, from uh, uh, article nine to article eight. That means to uh, uh, dark green to uh, let's say green, uh, light green uh, investment funds by a lot of uh, big um, investment houses. Uh, but the reason why they did it uh, is also because the regulation is not stable. That it was really difficult to read it. 
And so I think we, are, uh, we need uh, the, the, the policymakers and the regulators to be uh, more strategic about the way they design regulation. If at the end of the day, if the SFDA regulation leads, leads to uh, uh, less than 1% of the investment fund classified in Article 9, then this regulation would have been completely useless. Uh, and, uh, and so, really, uh, uh, they, you have to really uh, think about where you put the bar. And the bar should be put at the, uh, at the level where you uh, really can uh, distinguish the best practices and, and the rest. Uh, and, 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 and so, to do this, we need really a strategic view of the, of the regulation and policymaking. Just on, on the, the regulation, particularly the stable finance disclosure regulation uh, that you mentioned, that's there. It's on the statute book. The, de the delegated acts have, uh, have come out. So the taxonomy regulation that we were discussing in our last podcast, also with Sebastian Guadino of WWF, um, where uh, uh, you must hear in a farmer that there are investors that feel that the, re the existing regulation is too tight and too difficult to implement. And then we hear from the NGO world and people like Sebastian that it's too broad and too easy to uh, to to be eligible, uh, to be classified as a sustainable investment. And then the feedback from the European Commission is, it's so hot politically, they're not going to touch it, they're not going to change it at all. Um, so uh, in particular in a pharma, when you're talking with other asset managers across Europe and the big ones as well as the the, the small ones, do you think there can be uh, a climate created where that regulation could be improved? I think that what you mentioned is really the, the, the big issue, is that as we are, as we are in a moving uh, landscape, we cannot have a, um, a fixed regulation, I mean a regulation that doesn't move. Uh, the regulation has to move with the market. Uh, so uh, this is the, the discussion we have with NGOs today. Uh, you can put the bar very high, but then it, it will be useless. You can, say, you can put the bar of Article 9 very high, and then there, is, there will be nobody and no, no uh, zero fund in Article 9. And then what, what is uh, the, the, the positive impact of this kind of regulation? Nothing. Everybody will be in Article 8, and, uh, and, and the world will, will continue exactly uh, as it was. If you put the bar a little bit uh, lower, then you can identify the best players, and then you, get, you, you give an incentive to them. Uh, and then the market will move. And then, if necessary, you will rise the bar. And so we, we really need this, uh, again, this regulation to, be, uh, to adjust itself to, uh, to the landscape and to the evolution of the market. Th this is the objective uh, that the regulation should, should, uh, should have. Accompany the market and help the market to move in the right direction. Uh, it's not a, regulation is not an ethical tool. It's not just uh, uh, something to say uh, the good and the bad. The regulation has to be linked with the, the, the market itself. It's just uh, a, a tool to, uh, uh, to, 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 uh, to, to make the, the, uh, the functioning of the market better. Uh, we are in a liberal, uh, in a liberal uh, uh, economy. Uh, and so this is this is what we uh, what, what what we can wait uh, for uh, from from a regulation in a liberal economy. 
I'm sure the European Commission were listening to that answer, and perhaps it will will it will embolden them. Uh, it also struck me when you talked about if not being just the one percent, not just being the pure of the of the pure in terms of um, investment, and it, it's absolutely true that you can't have all investment that's called ESG going into wind turbines and solar panels. You know, there's a whole economy out there. And there are many people who are critics of the sustainable investment sector who say that, that it needs to move to transition. So investing in existing companies, uh, but in their efforts to genuinely uh, transition to, to a low carbon and sustainable future. Uh, where do you stand on that question? So, I mean, on the principle, I agree. We, uh, we have to, uh, to, uh, uh, to understand uh, the, the path uh, from, from where we are today and the world we want to build in the future. And, uh, and, uh, uh, and in this path, there will be uh, newcomers, new players, pure players, but there will be also uh, existing companies, existing businesses uh, that will... Uh, Transform, transform their, their, their production uh, uh, capabilities in the future, and then that they will, I mean, become more and more sustainable. Uh, but the problem is that uh, these transition uh, think, uh, transition concepts, uh, is also used uh, with a, a misleading, uh, uh, you know, uh, in a misleading way by companies uh, also uh, who, uh, who maybe are in a, in, a change, in a path to change, but very, very slowly and, uh, and, and, and not quickly enough uh, to, uh, to be compliant, for example, with the, 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 the Paris Agreement trajectory of, or with the 1.5 trajectory. Uh, and this is more especially the case of uh, oil companies. Uh, today, uh, I think you cannot say that oil companies are in transition. Uh, they are just in business as usual for most of them and for most of their business. They are still investing the, the vast majority of their capex, uh, of their capital expenditure to, to continue to, uh, uh, to uh, uh, extract more oil and, uh, and, 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 and new, uh, um, uh, new production capacities and so on and so forth. And, uh, and so, uh, when these kind of companies say you should invest in uh, in our company because we have invested five or ten percent of uh, uh, of our capex uh, in uh, in renewable energy, I think that's not really serious. Uh, it's not really uh, uh, something serious in, in in terms of transition. Uh, and so, so, yeah. so Marova, do you invest in transition? strategies in companies, maybe not the fossil fuel we, companies. We, do you do that? What, what allows you to see, see that those are authentic? No, for, exa for, for example, we, uh, we invest in, uh, in utilities, uh, in utilities like uh, Enel, uh, NG, uh, Orsted, uh, uh, this kind of, of big companies, because they are transitioning from uh, producing electricity with oil to producing uh, with oil and gas to producing electricity with renewable energy, and 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 they are they have clearly uh, uh, I mean communicated about uh, about this transition. So we know uh, what what is uh, the strategy for the next uh, ten to fifteen years, and uh, and this strategy for some of them is in line 
with uh, the, uh, the uh, AEI or Paris Agreement trajectory. So in that case, we think uh, there is no issue to, to invest in these companies and, and, uh, and, and even we, we should help them and we should invest in these, in these companies to help them to, to, uh, to uh, uh, succeed uh, in, uh, in their transition. Uh, but of course, uh, we have to be very cautious and we have to, and we continue to engage with them and to discuss with them and to, uh, to, uh, to check, to verify that they are clear still, uh, still in, in the trajectory. Uh, and, uh, and that's sometimes that's tricky, but, uh, but this is something we, we, we can do. Uh, so I think there, there is really a big difference between uh, uh, extracting company like all companies and the utilities uh, and also over, uh, over uh, uh, industries. I mean, like uh, the, automo the automobile industry or the cement industry or the aluminum industry, all, all these big uh, uh, industrial companies, some of them are trying to transition. Uh, and, 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 and for them, I think we should, of course, uh, uh, I mean, sustainable finance should take these this kind of companies into account. So it's very much alignment with the Paris goals and other sustainability goals there. One of, one of those, by the way, um, of course, is biodiversity. And it, there are a lot of headlines at the end of last year with the COP15 and the Montreal Agreement. And yeah. Morova, you've put your head of research onto the task force for nature-related financial disclosure. So this is the, the body for people who don't know it that is trying to come up with recommendations about how how companies can um, uh, be subject to financial risk because of uh, nature and biodiversity loss and how the system can become uh, unstable because of that. And that was the argument of the Task Force for Climate-Related Financial Disclosure a few years ago now and has been extremely influential. But with the TNFD, which is due to come out this year, uh, and, and as someone who is an investor, do you believe that the that nature can lead to quantifiable financial risks for business in the same way as the very dramatic effects of climate change that that we know i think that's a harder sell in terms of companies and and investors well, but you've put your your company's name in there well do you believe that is is something that can is an, an argument in your words a battle that can be won I think so, uh, because I think we have the experience of what we have done on climate and that we should use this experience to do better uh, on, uh, on nature uh, and, uh, and better and quicker. Uh, but uh, you're right. I mean, it's a very difficult one uh, because uh, uh, the uh, biodiversity and nature, it's more complex. Of course, there are a lot of uh, uh, different impacts, uh, different uh, criteria, different different. Uh, um, environments that, that uh, uh, have, uh, I mean, are interconnected, uh, and uh, and it's much more difficult to assess the impact of uh, a business on biodiversity than it was that it was on uh, the, the impact on climate. Uh, but uh, but I think we, we we can try to to build the same kind of framework, uh, and and this is. The, the TNFD is a piece, uh, one of the pieces of this framework. Uh, at, at, at the, at the, uh, the core of the framework, uh, there is the uh, international agreement. Uh, what are the goal, the, I mean, the, the common goals that we are following? And this is very important. Without this, uh, it's very difficult to build around. Uh, so uh, Paris, the Paris Agreement has been 
uh, even if it, 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 uh, it's been criticized, but it has been the, the, the starting point of all the different pieces that we have added uh, on the top of this TCFD and, uh, and now the, uh, uh, the European regulation and today the accounting framework and so on and so forth. Uh, so we need these uh, common goals, common, uh, common ground uh, accepted by all the countries in order, and, uh, in order to, uh, to, that the private sector uh, can say we are building on something that it is agreed by all the public, uh, the public bodies all around the world. And so this, this is the reason why uh, the, the, the uh, COP15 in, in Montreal was really very important. And, and, uh, and, and finally, uh, uh, I mean, above expectation, uh, it led to something uh, relatively strong. And uh, we were, uh, uh, to a certain extent, uh, very happy about, uh, about the output uh, and, uh, and uh, uh, and, uh, it was not really expected, but the Chinese uh, presidency uh, finally was uh, quite uh, powerful and successful in, uh, in building a, a, a consensus uh, between all the different countries. And then we also need to uh, uh, create then the methodologies and the databases uh, that will uh, help us to, uh, to to measure these uh, these impacts. Uh, so this is what what we have uh, we have done uh, uh, two years ago. We have uh, uh, created a consortium with a couple of uh, other French asset management company like BNP, AXA, and Sycomore, and we have uh, decided to work with a, a, a data provider uh, and uh, and create a database uh, on the uh, the impact on, on, on companies on biodiversity. And we think this is a market that we should help to, uh, to develop in, uh, in the future. Um, and then we also need to have some uh, strong cases, I would say, uh, which, uh, on which we could, uh, I mean, communicate a lot. Uh, I, I mean, uh, for, the, on, for the climate, for the, uh, the, the climate and carbon, uh, we had the uh, coal uh, um, exclusion. Okay, don't invest in coal. Stop using coal. And and this is still uh, a big part of the of all the communication that we that also help the the, the business uh, players uh, to uh, to move forward. And I, and I think deforestation could be the equivalent yeah. uh, for nature uh, as the, the coal exclusion was for for climate for climate. Very, very good. And, and by the way, I've, I've looked at the work you're doing on this database and it's fantastic. And I congratulate you on it. And I, those listening, do, do have you. a look at it because it, it really makes it real. Um, uh, uh, I'm happy to move it on because time is so short in these podcasts. But we started talking about ESG investment earlier, some of the skepticism, uh, but also the successes. Uh, and of course, all of the trajectory is growth and growth but there are people there who are saying that um impact investment is the real future that not only are we quantifying returns to to uh, uh the financial returns to investors that have a positive impact on society and environment but we're going to quantify that impact on society and the environment and we're looking for rates of return there and we're managing those and it's impact investment last year uh, I think it was claimed that impact investment has exceeded one trillion globally. Uh, um, 
you, I think, at the moment, classify yourself as a sustainable investor, not an impact investor. But in the end, is this where we're going? Is impact investment going to, to be the future? You know, I, I've been working on, 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 in, in this space since uh, the last, uh, I would say, 15 years. And, uh, and uh, we, uh, so uh, at the beginning, uh, we were doing uh, SRI, socially responsible investments. Uh, then uh, we uh, moved to uh, responsible investments, and then we moved to sustainable investments, and then everybody uh, started to use ESG, and so we use ESG investments, and now uh, everybody's speaking about impact investment. So I think we we should move to impact investment. But uh, uh, during all that time, we uh, uh, I think we uh, have not moved a lot about what we uh, <laughs> what we what we are doing i mean uh, so uh, it's the same thing i mean it's just trying to uh, to use finance to uh, to create a positive impact on society and uh, and 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 and, uh, and yeah people and, and economy uh, and and so i think we uh, we were doing impact investments without uh, knowing it was impact investment uh, 10 years ago already uh, so uh, and and uh, and again, the uh, uh, European regulation, when it comes to uh, Article 9, it's just about impact investing. Is uh, this is the definition of Article 9? We try. We you want to uh, to have a positive impact. Um, so yeah, I think impact inve- impact investment is uh, uh, certainly the uh, a very uh, uh, good um, description of what uh, of what we should do and of what we do. Uh, but again. Uh, some people think that uh, respond, uh, that impact investment is only uh, restoring mangroves in uh, uh, in in the ocean Indian in the Indian, Indian Ocean, you know, or or, or only uh, providing some services to the poorest of the poorest. Uh, so, if you describe impact investment uh, like this, of course, it will still be a very, very, very uh, tiny part of the uh, investment market. So I think we can create uh, an impact with a lot of things. And I think that also the impact should be measured at the level of the, the, the asset manager at the investment company and not fund by fund. Uh, to be frank, if I look at Niroda, for example, we, we manage 30 billion euros. Uh, if you uh, ask me uh, whether Mirova is an impact investment manager, I will say definitely yes, we are an impact in, uh, asset manager. Our objective is really to create an impact. But now if you ask me fund by fund, we have 40 of, or 50 funds, uh, different strategies. If strategy by strategy, you ask, you, you, uh, you ask me the question whether this strategy or this fund is an impact investment fund, I will be very, I mean, in the difficulty to answer. Because because we have a, 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 a wide range of uh, of investment funds. I mean, from uh, restoring degraded land uh, in uh, in Latin America to global equities, uh, where we invest in uh, in uh, 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 the largest company in the world. Uh, so of course, this is not the same impact. But I think if you if as an investment manager, as a financial player, you want really have have a global impact, the only way is to uh, to uh, really uh, uh, explore the whole spectrum of what uh, of uh, what financial markets can help you to do. 
and uh, so it's evolution not revolution in terms of impact investment i do plead guilty to to being part of the presidency conference in 2007 so over 15 years ago on socially responsible investment i think it has moved on a bit since then particularly on climate and carbon but i do take your point uh and whether someone calls themselves an impact investor or not if they're having impact we're an impact investor uh time for one last question it picks up on on, on that last point about small and scaling up so you've described yourself as a small investor compared with some of the big players um and uh, it could be argued again by the skeptics that you can afford working at that level and working with that level of of uh, perspective uh um that it's easier to do esg or impact um and people i think would say can the really big investors asset managers in the world can they really become esg investors is that really the future or is this always going to be the niche and what what's really needed that can scale it up how would you respond to that i mean fair enough i mean uh, i i i so when we started, the question was, is it possible to do it with 30, 40, 50 billion euros? Because when we started, we had only a couple of billions. Uh, and so uh, uh, I think we, uh, we have succeeded in, uh, in, in, scale, in this first step of, of scaling up. Uh, but of course, uh, you cannot do the same with 30 billions and 10,000 billions like BlackRock. Uh, this is not the same thing. Uh, and, and so uh, I think you should probably, I mean, if I was, at the, uh, if, uh, if I was the head of BlackRock, I think I would try to, to invent something else. Uh, I, I won't copy paste what we are doing at Mirova, of course. Uh, but I think there are a lot to do also for the big ones. And I, I don't think they are doing all they can do. Uh, in terms of, for example, uh, completely uh, uh, changing the mindset about passive investments. They have the tools to do this. They, they control most of the passive investment. Uh, and so uh, moving from traditional indices to uh, uh, ESG or, uh, or uh, uh, Paris Agreement uh, uh, um, aligned uh, indices is something that they can do. They can do on in a large scale and convince their, uh, their, their clients, uh, pension funds and insurance companies and so on, to move uh, also in, in that direction. Uh, and, and so I, I think it's a different story. Uh, but uh, but I, won't, I, I wouldn't say that uh, sustainability is only designed for, for, for small players. Uh, if it's the case, I mean, we have completely lost the battle. So, uh, so we need to, to continue to mainstream it. But probably we need some different tools to uh, to go uh, to go the, the the next level. Philippe, um, it's been a complete pleasure to talk with you and also to meet you and your team in the preparation for this podcast. If the the uh, quest for sustainable business investment 
is a battle. As you say, you're clearly a leader, a general or a major in that battle. So thank, <laughs> thank you, you so much for spending time with us thank you. Uh, today. Sadly, we have come to the end of our podcast, but let's continue the conversation by inviting all of our audience to send us your feedback to franklyspeaking at frankbold.org and to share this conversation. You've been listening to Frankly Speaking, the Frank Bold podcast on responsible business. Find out more about Frank Bold's Responsible Companies section on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Thank you very much again, Philippe, and to all of you for joining us. See you next time and goodbye. Mm -hmm.